Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, episode 124, a more powerful way to shape your company's culture for growth. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. And as always, it's quite a pleasure to join you for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio. And as always, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of growth and success. So Pam, recently we've seen a spike in news about corporate culture. Now, some of this is bad news, companies with toxic cultures that have come to bite them. But, you know, there's good news as well. That's right. On October 4th, the National Association of Corporate Directors released a report of the NACD Blue Ribbon Commission on culture as a corporate asset. Okay. Uh, this calls on boards of directors to take a proactive approach to cultural oversight since culture impacts company results of all kinds. For instance, not only top and bottom line results, but also reputation right. and the ability to attract and retain talent. And of course, even more. Oh, sure. Now, let's call the elephant in the room, Pam. Culture and thinking about culture, it isn't new. We've been talking about it uh, for years, and you have been studying and writing about culture for over two decades. We've even done studies on corporate culture and its link to business performance. So why now? Why this focus of the NACD now on culture? And what's that all about? Well, you're right. It's nothing new. What I see is a reframing. Okay. So now we're looking at culture as something that's not a problem. Right. Right. But in fact, this is the key to what it takes to be competitive. Okay. So specifically, NACD was looking at how culture impacts company results, as we were talking about. If we're going to grow our companies and go into uncharted territory, we have to be thinking about how the culture that we have today is going to need to adapt to the company that we're going to become tomorrow. Sure, because obviously the business environment is constantly changing. Consumer expectations are changing, new technology to meet those expectations, Mm -hmm. new competitors. So it's always changing, and you're right. Culture should change to adapt to support whatever has to happen as we grow and evolve. Now, we've seen that over the years, some leaders are really good at this. They do it almost automatically. But others see culture as kind of a squishy mystery. It's Mm -hmm. hard to get their arms around. You know, I know culture is important, but how can I do that without getting distracted? In fact, we did a study a few years ago that spoke exactly to that point. That's right. We asked CEOs of successful middle market companies, that is, companies with revenues between $5 million uh, and $500 million yeah. annually, what it would take for them to foster a culture of growth in their companies. Mm-hmm. 
Pretty and straightforward. It exactly, it was. And these executives universally agreed that culture was important for business success and profitability. They saw that. Sure. But here's the thing. They said that although they saw it as important and they knew that culture affected achieving their strategic goals, many of them said they were not putting as much effort into shaping their company's culture as they would like to. Well, that's a real disconnect. Why? There were good reasons. And the two biggest ones were that there was a lack of time for the programs. Okay. And they didn't have the right people in place yet. So that's how they saw it. What, what was underneath that? Our survey showed that it frequently comes down to uncertainty about the return on investment. So for instance, take time. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people think that addressing culture means a whole complete culture change program. Okay. The special initiative that's separate yep. from the real work okay. that goes into a company. And this pulls people away from what they need to do to make money, so, so to So let's speak. do an offsite or whatever, yeah. Exactly. They'll say, well, it has to be designed by human resources. Yeah. And it would include team building offsites right. and parties right. and awards right. and teamwork. Uh huh. The signs on the walls and all those yeah. kinds of yeah. classes. And that, of course, takes a lot of time and expense. That's how many people think about it. Okay. So they're not sure if they're really going to get a return, how it's going to play out in what the company actually does. That's right. Show me where it comes back to the real work okay. is what they would say. Yeah. And as far as the we don't have the right people, uh -huh. which was the other issue, this concern can also be rooted in thinking about culture change as a big comprehensive program off by itself. Hmm. Think about this. If you're concerned about return on investment, you want to make sure that you're going to have the right people participating in this huge culture change program. Why would you want to waste time and money? Well, sure. So let's put it off until we get the right people in uh, so we can have everybody involved. The problem is that putting it off just lets it go however it is. And the thing is also to keep in mind is there will never be a time when uh -huh. we have all the right people in place. Okay. Because our companies are constantly changing. Right. New people are coming in. Yep. People are leaving. Companies go through mergers and acquisitions. Mm -hmm. They go through downsizings, yeah. growth spurts. Uh, so to wait for that perfect time just mm -hmm. doesn't happen. I remember one time I was speaking with the CEO of a company that was about at $5 million in revenue. Uh -huh. I asked him about his company's culture, and he said, well, we haven't had time to put one in yet. <laughs> and I'm okay. thinking <laughs> there were all kinds of things that were going on that were definitely the company's culture. Okay. What he was saying yeah. was he hadn't shaped it yet. Ah, uh, okay. So the issue is that it seems very overwhelming. Okay. It's not that leaders don't know that culture has a profound top and bottom line result that can give a competitive edge. Sure. They really do. The challenge is knowing how to influence culture in a way that provides the results that they want with a good return on investment. Okay, well, that's understandable. So what's the answer? The answer is we need to reframe how we think about shaping corporate culture. We need to shift away from thinking about culture change programs right. and instead look at linking specific culture transformation to the real work of achieving business goals and outcomes. All right. We're going to talk about this more in the second segment. But first, we'll take a quick break. Stay with us.
You are listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. We enable successful companies to accelerate to their next level of innovation and growth. And if you like what you're hearing, spread the good word. Go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 124, and use the social share links on the left side of the page to tell your social media communities all about us. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are talking about a more powerful way to shape your company's culture for growth and to make it something that's workable and impactful. We need to shift away from thinking about culture as something that we change in a big cultural transformation program. Right. Instead, we need to look at how can we transform aspects of our culture so that it's related to the real work and business goals that we have in everyday life. So it becomes more relevant and it becomes more manageable. That's right. Okay. So how do we do that? Well, first we have to start out with a caveat, Mm -hmm. which is while there are standards of a healthy culture, such as commitment and aligned values Mm -hmm. and compliance with the legal and ethical standards of the country that you're operating in, there is no best culture. There's only the culture that supports your company and how you want to grow it. Okay, so there's no best personality for an individual. There's no best culture for a company. That's right. Makes sense. So bearing that in mind, let's talk about a real example of how linking cultural transformation to business outcomes work. Okay. So I met with the CEO of a successful middle market company, with very bold growth goals. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason he brought me in was because he did recognize that the only way he was going to be able to reach his goals was to transform the culture. At that point, there were a lot of silos in the organization. Okay, and they were getting in the way. That's right. While people communicated within their chain of command, it was slowing down decision-making and productivity. This was having a bearing on their ability to achieve their business goals Mm -hmm. and their strategy. Okay. And it was also impacting on their reputation in the industry. Okay. And their ability to keep attracting the key talent that they needed. So a lot of the things that were being talked about in the first segment. You said he recognized the importance of culture and business performance. So I take it he had tried something. Yes, he did. Very progressive man. The company had already launched a culture change program. Okay. And it was very carefully designed and executed by their human resources group, which was filled with very talented people. Right. They had included team building offsites, mm-hmm. parties, mm-hmm. awards, teamwork signs on the walls, and everybody loved these programs. And the classes got rave reviews. Okay. There was only one problem. And the problem was that the executives had a very difficult time measuring the return on investment. So they had the program, but they weren't necessarily seeing the results they wanted. It was very hard to see the changes in communication and business performance that was going to speed decision-making and productivity. Okay, so they made the investment. They weren't getting the results. My guess is they were pretty frustrated. 
frustrated. So I think you can imagine what happened next. Right. They indefinitely postponed further work on the culture building program. The senior executives reallocated the resources and people to focus on what they called the real work, and that included launching a new product and integrating a merger. So they were very busy. But... They were also missing key people. This was a problem. Mm-hmm. And the lack of collaboration and the slow decision making persisted. And unfortunately, it ended up delaying the integration and the product launch. So they had a series of stubborn issues. So at that point, that was when they brought you in? As I said, he understood the link between culture and the business results that he needed. Okay. But the culture change program just was not the way to do it. Okay, so it was was too broad. What did you all do then? So we came up with a different approach. Uh We started with looking at what were the business outcomes that he needed to see. And we worked backwards from there. Uh We said, if you have the business outcomes, which we've been talking about, what is the strategy that you are using to get to that? Right. And he discussed that with me. Mm -hmm. We said, well, what would be the organizational performance that you would need in certain areas? Okay, well, more collaboration. That's right. And that's what he was talking about. And that's what he saw. And that got into how does the culture impact that? Ah. And so we looked at very particular elements of the culture that would most impact it. And that's how we started out. So you were getting more granular. That's right. And that specificity was what made all the difference. We could focus the efforts. Okay, that sounds like a plan. So what were some of the specific focused things that uh, you all addressed? Well, one of the first things we looked at was their longstanding view of what they communicated with employees and partners and how they did it. Okay. It turned out that one of the reasons that it was difficult for people to make decisions was they didn't really entirely understand what was happening in the company. Ah. So that got into a bit of the business philosophy. Mm -hmm. How do we communicate with employees? Mm -hmm. They had been used to holding things very close in. So they needed a more broadly shared strategic outlook so people could make more decisions that would actually impact the strategy the way they had to. That's right. So not only in terms of how often they were communicating information, but how they were doing it. So Mm -hmm. they looked at channels of communication. Right. And it wasn't just the official channels of communication, but bringing people together in ways where they could share more easily. So this gave them a context for making better decisions. That was one. Okay, what else? Another area that we looked at was adjusting the organizational structure so the silos that they had, the hierarchical silos, were removed. So that's shaping a formal aspect Mm -hmm. of the culture. Okay, adjusting formal structure is very important. I also imagine that there were longstanding habits of how people work together that also had to be overcome that weren't necessarily written down. So that's the informal aspect of organizational structure is people will sometimes uh, group themselves according to what they think makes sense. So Mm -hmm. there has to be not just the formal structure, Mm which is an aspect of culture, but also reinforcing in a positive way why it makes sense for people to collaborate and to communicate in new ways. So framing specificity and this is what we want to happen, this is what we need to go on to make that happen, Mm -hmm. 
that gives reinforcement to changing habits up and down. That's right. But it doesn't have to take all the time in the world. Again, it's very specific. There was a third thing, though, that we looked at. As you can imagine, Mm -hmm. with all these different uh, behaviors, it was going to require leaders in the company at Mm -hmm. different levels to more consistently reinforce collaboration and faster decision-making in these new structures. So there were aspects of formal and informal culture change going on there. The focus helped create the relevance for why that made sense to do. That's right. And helping people to look at oftentimes what is automatic for us to Mm do, and then to gradually begin to adjust that so that it works in a new positive, even more positive way. So as it turned out, this became a good news story of culture and business performance. The company grew dramatically Uh because they were able to make faster decisions, Uh and it became a place that was very attractive in the marketplace. Uh So the key talent that they needed started coming over. They were drawn over to, to this company. So you had a virtuous cycle going on. It was fantastic. The important thing to recognize in this Mm -hmm. is that we certainly were working together, everybody in the company was, Mm -hmm. on very specific aspects of the culture, but at the same time, these were all interrelated. Mm -hmm. There was a focus to them. Okay. And so it wasn't just a disjointed effort. All right. So linking specific aspects of culture to the organization's performance and business goals that were most important to this company really paid off and it made them more competitive. So the question then is, how can our listeners apply some of these ideas to their own companies and move forward? That's what we'll discuss in the next segment. So we'll take another quick break and we'll come back with a more powerful way to shape your company's culture for growth. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. We release a new Growth Igniters Radio episode every two weeks. And on alternate weeks, we send members of our community a short, thought-provoking blog post. We give our perspectives on an emerging trend or news item that you need to know about. We also include an immediately useful tip to put this idea to use. And here's a last call. Sunday, October 15th, 2017, is the last day of our special offer to join the Growth Igniters community. And as a special bonus, we'll immediately send you one of our most popular Harper reports, How to Take Control of Elephants in the Room. This is a major issue that can make or break growth and success. And face it, every company has elephants. Mm, That's right. (laughs) Things that everyone knows and no one wants to talk about. In this report, we discuss not only why elephants exist, but how to stop them from derailing your company's success. We also give steps you can immediately take to create the conversations that are critical to dramatically accelerate momentum. So join the Growth Igniters community today. Go to growthignitersradio.com and click sign up now. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. 
Over the past two segments, Scott and I have been talking about a more powerful way to shape your company's culture for growth. Right, and we've emphasized how when you stop looking at culture change as this huge global project that displaces work, the real work, and focus in on specific growth objectives that have to be met and the cultural elements that need to support those, it's much easier to make it more relevant, more actionable, and to actually bring it across. So now, Pam, we're in the third section of the podcast where we like to present some immediately actionable advice for people who want to apply these ideas to their own company. Talking about specificity, linking cultural transformation to specific business outcomes, what's the first piece of advice? The first piece of advice would be at your very next leadership meeting, get in the habit of discussing the perceptions that each member of your team has about organization culture and how it's affecting the outcome and results of what's most important for your company. Because real decisions are being made Mm -hmm. off of the way we're perceiving people's understanding of what is going on in the company. And for example, in the story that I was telling in the last segment, Mm -hmm. the executive team did not all have the same perception of the culture. Some people thought that everybody was really open and understood exactly what was going on. Others did not feel that way. Mm -hmm. And so all of these issues were not being explored. We talk about the elephants in the room. This was an elephant in the room. Right. And calling it out gave them an opportunity to address those issues and create a much more cohesive approach to their cultural transformation. Yes. And with boards of directors paying more attention to the oversight of culture, it's important to make sure that these discussions are between not just the executive team, but the executive team and the board. And that gets rid of assumptions and allows people to focus on doing what's most important. All right. So what's a second piece of advice? Broaden your perceptions, go outside of the executive team and board, and gain a variety of stakeholder perspectives about the culture. Well, why is that important? Oftentimes, we see things from our own perspective, not as clearly, and others have a very different point of view. Mm -hmm. For example, in the story that we were talking about in the previous segment, Mm -hmm. the executive team did conduct a cultural survey, and they got back some very surprising insights. Yeah, cultural surveys are popular and they're hot right now. But the thing is, they may not be enough by themselves. And that was, in fact, one of the things that this team also decided, that they didn't have enough information. Mm -hmm. And so that led to other ways of gathering insights. One of them is to work with groups where a survey is good for some types of people. Mm -hmm. In a group situation, you have other people who feel more comfortable talking about what their perceptions are. And in other cases, sometimes going to individuals in a targeted way can make it even more comfortable for them to be candid. And And by combining all these different insights, then you can come up with a cohesive whole. So you're looking at it from different angles and it can be surprising and give you much better actionable information. Yes, that was certainly the case in that story. Okay, so let's have one last piece of advice for creating more powerful cultural transformation. Decide which 
elements in the formal culture and the informal culture need to be adjusted in order to best promote your strategy and the outcomes you really need. Okay, so you're getting specificity on what you want to promote, what you want to advance, and now you're targeting in what is going to make that happen in the culture, mm -hmm. what in the culture so is going to make that happen. That's right. So the more that you understand how certain behaviors impact performance, for uh -huh. instance, is collaboration what you really need for decision making? Okay. Maybe yes, maybe no. Okay. Uh, maybe you have some other issue that is even more important. Mm -hmm. So it's looking at which areas do we see as doing well? Where do we need to put more emphasis? Can you go a little deeper into that so it's easier to understand? What's an example? We'll go back to that story again that okay. I was talking about. So when they were going through and looking at the results, interpreting what all of the different input that they received told them, mm -hmm. what they decided was that there were some aspects of culture where they were doing quite well. So for instance, social activities, right. bringing people together so that they had a chance to get to know each other mm -hmm. enough to begin to increase trust, that was very good. Mm -hmm. Where they were having issues, however, was in the area of teamwork. And in fact, there were some uh, pieces of information that actually helped us all to understand that people were being disincented in some respects at the same time as in other ways they were being told being a team was a good thing. So those were areas they had to work out. So identifying that disconnect allowed the leadership to really target that in a very focused way in the context of real work that people saw as relevant. Exactly. Okay. Well, Pam, it's been a great conversation. Do you have any final thoughts on powerful ways to support cultural transformation so companies can grow to new levels of success? Shaping your company's business culture as a competitive advantage is not a once and done because the business environment is constantly changing. It's not necessary or even desirable to do a cultural overhaul because there's no endpoint in sight. Okay. Instead, when you link the elements of your organizational culture to the performance and the business outcomes you need, you'll get to where you need to be with much greater impact and velocity. And that's a more powerful way to shape your company's culture for growth. Thanks, Pam. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation, share on social media, read our bios, or sign up for the Growth Igniters community, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 124. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your team. What do we need to do to continuously shape our culture so it provides a continuous competitive advantage? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated 
are prohibited. All rights reserved.